Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, podcast listeners. I uh, just wanted to give you a heads up of a few things that are coming up this summer in case you want to take advantage of them. Uh, we have our Transformers Mastermind with Dr. Peter Kevorkian, Brandy McDonald, and myself, and we're working only with a maximum of 10 people in downtown Toronto on Saturday, July 28th. Uh, we have a mastermind. It's going to be at uh, basically like a penthouse uh, at the Sheraton downtown Toronto overlooking uh, the Toronto Tower and its beautiful location. And uh, we're going to take eight hours to dive into your life, transform, take your life to the next level. Uh, we are almost sold out. I think we only have two people left. Um, if this is not just for chiropractors. We have a few that, that are actually already registered that are not chiropractors. But the one thing they do have in common is they all want to take their life to the next level. So if you're interested in that, double check uh, our website at www.trueconceptseminars.com and, uh, and ask us for the details. It's not a cheap event. It's $18.95 Canadian. But that's because we're going to be diving deep and we're also attracting the cream of the cream for this, this event. The next thing that we want to talk about is we just finished up our, our seminar in London. England. We had a great time. We had some great feedback. The next time we're doing the Vitality Shift Immersion Day is in Perth, Australia on September 15th. So if you're in that part of the world and you want to come on by, again, go back to www.trueconceptseminars.com and uh, join us for Perth down under. And uh, let's get back to the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. This is uh, Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and today I have one of my favorite guests in the whole wide world, my lovely wife, again, um, Brandy McDonald, who is on the podcast to talk all things creating concepts, moving your practice away from pain, and dealing with all objections in the, that you ever had. <laughs> I'm becoming a regular, and not, not, nothing, not, not asking much in a 30-minute podcast, are you? No, I was just saying. We'll Basically, just... to solve every communication problem on the planet, we're about to do that in 30 minutes. Well, I know there's many chiropractors that want to know that in 30 minutes. They want to know <laughs> that what's the one quick fix that can just solve all their communication problems, right? Oh, my God. Well, good luck. This is not the call for you. <laughs> so do not listen to this call if that's what you want. Um, so we just got back from London. We're just getting back on the time zone after having our vitality shift program in London. And that was quite, uh, quite a cool event. Um, how is it for you, my dear? How, what, what were your highlights from our, from our London extravaganza? Well, I just want to say the last podcast we did, um, whenever that was, uh, we were drinking scotch cause it was a Saturday afternoon and now it's some disgusting early morning here drinking coffee. And I just want to say it's so not as much fun drinking coffee. <laughs> I'm doing this than it was drinking scotch. So I just want to make that point. Okay, <laughs> coming maybe. back from coming I'll back have, from London. <laughs> I'll have to retime my uh, my interviews with you when I'm scheduling it to make sure it's on a Saturday afternoon with scotch instead. Yeah, I think that I'm I'm much 
I'm much more alert on those times. No, London was amazing. London was a sold out program. We, as our first time, not my first time to the UK, obviously I've been to the UK, like I think six or seven times, my first time independently to the UK doing my own program. Um, I love, I love going to the UK. I have a lot of, I have a lot of followers and a lot of our clients and the shifter from the UK. And I, I think we resonate a lot with the UK because we live in Canada and there's certain countries, Australia is one of them, New Zealand's another, UK is the other. We all sort of practice similarly. We have similar regulations, similar rules. Um, we can't just do whatever we want, even though of course in our class, there were people from unregulated countries, um, not in the UK, but I think, I think, you know, it, it always, we always feel really close to those folks. They feel very Canadian-esque to us. And so it's always fun for me. They're a super engaged group. And, and I, you know, we had shifters in the class. So, of course, it's not, not everybody. It was new to everybody. But the people that it was new to, I know, who graduated from some of the colleges um, in the UK or in some of those countries over there, um, was really, was the common denominator was they really did not know how to move people past the conversation that appeared to be the problem. So we always say, what's the problem and what's the real problem? Right. And so I, everybody's there to say, well, what's the real problem? But I think the shift is not about what, what the real problem is. It's what, what's the potential. And so we're really just teaching people that the problem is not the problem. Um, we need to show people their potential and that's actually where healing happens. And so that that's fun for, for me with a group that that's like that, that that is that engaged and has that many questions. So London was great. Yeah. And I think that was pretty amazing because at the beginning, we always ask everybody what's, what are their goals for the, for the day and what they want to get out of it. And it was crazy how many people how many chiropractors were so frustrated saying, I want to move my practice more away from pain and more towards vitality. So I think yeah. that was pretty crazy. It was kind of right across the whole board. Well, I think you, I mean, like in anything in life, you attract like-minded people. And we were like that for so long. Everybody knows our story. They've heard it a million times. Um, you know, for, so for 12 years, we lived in that same model where you, you know what you know inside, but you don't know how to get it out. And that's pretty much the common denominator of people that we work with. We're, we're not dealing with people who don't want to change how they practice because they, they're, they're congruent in the model they live in. So if they live in a pain and conditions model, they're completely congruent. Those are not people that are wanting something different. It's the people living in that premise who feel incongruent because their practice reality doesn't match their personal philosophy. And that's, that's actually incongruency. And that's actually where burnout happens because you every day you go into practice and you know you can offer something more you just don't know how to talk about it you don't know how to move people along you don't know how to have the right conversations so you end up having the easiest conversations and so you know because the right conversations are usually hard conversations so it's it's uh it's always people i think who are having experiences as we had when we burnt out so much in chiropractic and i think that was a really cool exercise that we did because in in the shift after you go through the whole uh kind of your premise because actually maybe just for people who haven't been through the shift maybe just briefly kind of describe that those four little modules that you that we go through during the day uh well the first is just people's premise so what their belief system is and to look at their their um their systems in their office and say, well, what, you know, I, I always say, don't tell me what you believe, show me what you believe because people can say a lot of things, but you really want to know what you believe. It actually rolls out in the reality of what you do. That's, that's where you can see somebody's belief system. So no matter what somebody says, if you actually look at your practice and look at how you practice and what your procedures are and how they're set up, that actually is the truth of somebody's premise, whether they live in a pain conditions or a life premise. 
And I always say, there's, I have no judgment. We've lived in all of them. So I have no judgment on how somebody practices and how they, and especially in their, when they're in transition. So we talk a lot about premises and then we talk a lot about connections. So we talk about how to connect to who people are, not necessarily what their problem is. And I think that's, we do that in a variety of ways and we try and show people that there are ways in which we can connect to people and have conversations with them that matters to them, not what matters to us. But most of the time I would say we are talking about what matters to us because we have our filters of our lives and we're not able to take those filters off to see the other person who's in front of us. We talk about the chiropractic vital signs, which is what everybody wants. How do I test everything? So that's always, my joke is that's the last thing we talk about because if you can't get your premise aligned and you don't know who the person is, the vital signs just are gimmicky and, and anybody can do them in any model and it just, it doesn't do them justice. And then, of course, we just talk about care planning, how to care plan congruently and how somebody moves along a continuum of growth and our hierarchy and connection to who they are and what they want to do in this world. Um, and that's a that's a phased approach. So that's pretty much today. It's like 30 hours pressed into eight. So there's quite a few people whose heads spin and I get quite a few messages saying I'm not really sure what just happened to me. So uh, it's definitely a, a fun time. That's awesome. I, uh, I, I really like the exercise that we do with the king with that. Actually, how congruent is your practice with your, with your premise? Um, and it's, it's crazy how people rate themselves. Um, yeah. maybe talk about the story. We had one person rate themselves a 10. Oh, that was great. I mean, it was once we did the, I mean, what he said is he says, I'm completely congruent in the incongruent premise we're living in. So, you know, it, if you're living in a complete fixing pain premise, he said, our practice is 100% congruent. So, <laughs> which is true, right? right. But, but, the, but the feeling, if you feel like something's missing, it means you're, again, your practice reality is rolling out in a pain or conditions model, our therapeutic model. And again, we, we're working with subluxation-based chiropractors, with neurologically-based chiropractors. So like we were at, we're, we're talking subluxation, but we're still using the adjustment as therapy. And so that's really, really, that was really hard for us to wrap our brain around because if we can use the adjustment to fix somebody, fix somebody's headache, fix colic, fix, fix whatever, you, you could put tape on somebody and have the same premise. And so that's really, I think, where it gets tough to determine because just because the words coming out of your mouth might be that, it's actually when the rubber hits the road, how are you practicing? And you know, if we're using our, our technique as therapy and we're applying a force in, in, with an intention to fix somebody and we have that outside-in model and that's our languaging, that's our marketing, that's the way our practice is set up. You don't live in a life and vitality model. You live in a pain and conditions model, even if you talk about subluxation. And that, that's actually where the incongruency lies. And again, for people who want to do that, there's no incongruency. The people we work with and the majority of people, I would say, that come to us or the conversations we have, even if people aren't coming to us, they don't want that. They know there's something other than that. They, just like we did, we just didn't know what it was. So th this is the tough question that everyone wants to know. Um, what, what, are, what are some of the first steps? Because you talk about how to create concepts for people rather than just giving them information. Because a lot of times we just want to go, hey, well, I'm going to be more congruent. So I'm going to spew a full hour report of findings and plow them with every single bit of information that I know. And, and you do things a lot different. You have the kind of the ninja style. And out of anybody well, I've seen, you have the best ninja style with people to pick out kind of and, and just kind of have them 
think about, does that make sense to them kind of thing? How, how do you, how do you, how would you teach that to someone? Well, first, I think that's why we do spend so much time on the premise. Everything you talk about in your practice is directly related to what you believe about chiropractic. And the worst thing that happens is we take other people's languaging and scripts and then we try and apply it and hope that's going to make us more congruent without actually looking at what do we believe about chiropractic. And if we do believe the adjustment is a therapy and then we take somebody's script around the fact that it's not, it actually comes across as being quite offensive to the person. And we know that because we used to do that. And then we become very parental. So we live in this pathogenic model, which they could get anywhere from their medical doctor, from their physiotherapist, where we parent people and we don't coach them. And we make things mandatory and we make them do things because we actually are playing the game of chiropractic with sweaty palms that if we were actually to let them go, they would go. And we know that. They don't actually make this informed consent and decision to be with us because they trust us and they trust us as their advisors and that we are not fixing or healing or, or their hero. They are actually all of that. And we are doing this facilitation process with them, not to them. And so, but that comes from your premise. And so the questions that, I mean, everybody that follows me on Facebook is like, well, how do you say what you have to say? It's because I'm congruent with the premise I live in today. That has changed. It was very mechanical in the beginning. So communication, I think people think communication is like this innate skill that we have. It's absolutely not. So the way that I describe it, I had a doc come up to me after and he's like, I just watch you work with people like live. He said, it's just real, it makes me realize I'm so, so far away from that. I'm like, whoa, 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 that's like saying, like, that's like me watching you adjust and I haven't been to chiropractic college. And I'm like, how, would I, how do I get there? I said, because when you were in chiropractic college, there was a very mechanical process that taught you how to detect and correct subluxation. It was through palpation. You're like, is this moving properly? Is this not moving properly? Right? I do the flying seven. Did I make a noise? There's all this stuff that happens when you're in chiropractic college that's extremely mechanical. And it stays mechanical for actually a long period of time until it becomes intuitive. Hmm. Communication is actually the exact same way. There, is, there, there are the mechanics to communication, just like there are the mechanics to an adjustment. And until you can work through all the mechanics of, of communication, which are really basic stuff like understanding your body language, understanding their body language, finding out what the right questions are, finding out what's important to people, finding about what, what really they love, they love, not what you love, finding about, you know, what their values are. By the way, health is never, never one of them because by the way, it's none, none of your people's either, <laughs> but you know, so it's, it's really a matter of, of having, having the mechanics of figuring out who somebody is. The more you can do that and practice it, the faster you get at it. So, you know, that's why in chiropractic college, your visits were, you know, six hours. And then, you know, now they're two minutes. Like there's, there's, there's a speed and efficiency to it when it becomes intuition. Well, the communication is no different. I think people want it to be different or they think they're a terrible communicator because they just, it's not innate to them. Well, it's not innate to anybody. It's actually a learned process when you actually sort of uh, complete the, the, the mechanics of learning. You don't have to think about it anymore. So if we were to take some, uh, you know, just for some tips for some chiropractors out there that, you know, when they go into their, you know, first visit, they kind of put on their, their ninja, figure out what's kind of wrong rather than figuring out what's right and what's the potential. Um, and 
and they're thinking more about the, the person and what they're going to do because that usually predominates a lot of chiropractors' mind is, mm-hmm. is what's this? What's in front of me? What am I going to work on? And what's the care plan going to be? And that's kind of in your in your brain that you're thinking. Um, what are what are maybe some mechanical questions that we can kind of start off with just to get us going into digging deeper into that communication? Okay, well, I'm a big concept girl. So one of the, one of the, everything you do rolls out based on your concepts or your premise or your belief system. So I'm all about teaching concepts first, mechanics second. Mm-hmm. And mechanics are such a small part of what we do actually, because if you understood the concepts, you wouldn't need the questions from me. And right. I often get that one of the things that piss people off the most in our shift and in our engine, our coaching group is they ask me a question and I ask them a question back because they want me to tell them the answer. Well, well what would you say? No, no, not what would. Listen, we're not making little brandy minions. What would you say? Right. So, and if you don't know, it's because you you have a you, you don't have a faulty premise, but you have a faulty premise in the sense of what you're trying to say and what's trying to come across. So, if you're not aligning your concepts, it's really difficult to ask the right questions. Now, you're asking based on what he, that guy was saying with his practice. You're asking the right questions based on your level of thinking at the time. Nobody right. asks the wrong questions. Based on your level of thinking at the time, you're asking completely the right questions. So the two concepts are there is the field mouse view of what is in front of you, and then there is the eagle view of what is in front of you. The field mouse view, I think, I think when a lot of people move to the vitality model, they think they only need the eagle view. So we're only going to talk about this intelligence. We're only going to talk about the fact that the, you know, we have a nervous system and this nervous system's job is to adapt to life and keep us upright in gravity. And as our threshold lowers, our adaptability to life lowers, right? Who cares what the person says? So sometimes people do this huge rebound effect when they're in transition because they like, well, I was only a field mouse. The field mouse view is all about what's going on for the person right in front of you. So that is, that is, that is the questions of what's wrong. How long has it been? Does it radiate anywhere? What have you done to to make it feel better? You know, what makes it worse? What makes it better? That's basically what we need for our regulations to keep our license in most regulated places. That's your, that's your notes. Totally. Right. That's totally. For most of us, that's what we have to document. And and again, even if we didn't, it, it it's it's inter- I always say to people, it's interesting for us to know that. It gives you a starting point. But in order to turn yourself from a field mouse to an eagle, you have to be able to fly. <laughs> so imagine like transforming, which I don't know if a field mouse can transform into an eagle, but there's my best analogy I have. But <laughs> maybe it should be like a caterpillar butterfly. Maybe that's a better analogy. Or unless you're like in uh, some uh, fantasy uh, movie where a uh, little Merlin guy uses his magic wand and turns him into a... Well, could be. Could be. <laughs> Anyways, you get my point. So yeah, you do have to find out what's going... If you don't find out what's going on for somebody, you don't validate them. So the, ba- the basic premise of the first step is to validate why somebody is in your office. I actually don't think a lot of... I don't think a lot of people need help with this. We are, we're massively successful with people's satisfaction in chiropractic. They're super, super happy with us. Um, but it is, it sort of stops there. The Eagle view is about determining the concepts you want somebody to know right away. So those concepts are different for everybody. For us in my practice, one of the, like, I have like two or three or four concepts that I want to instill in them day one, like within the first 10 minutes. 
Now, of course, we have chiropractic vital signs. So that gives us a really cool tool to show people those concepts, not just talk to them about it. But some of our big concepts, number one is we want, to, we want people to understand we cannot treat their pain. Right. Now, if you don't have rapport with somebody and you haven't validated somebody and you tell somebody you can't treat their pain, you're probably going to walk out the door because you're talking to them as a field mouse and you sound like a jerk. Right. <laughs> and then people are like, why am I even here? So you have to get, you have to have that rapport and validate why somebody's there. Then you need to link very quickly what we do do. So you can't just tell somebody what we don't do and not tell them what we do do. Pain is a beautiful thing. And I think people who transition out of that premise feel like that's something we should never talk about. When you live in a life model, you talk about everything that's going on for somebody because everything matters. Mm -hmm. The difference is how much time do you spend there? Because what pain has done for somebody is facilitated a process of movement for them. They're doing something different. Mm -hmm. Now, the field mouse viewer says, well, they just want to get away from it. That's it. The eagle view, because we ask so many people, is not that people just want to get away from it. The next concept is they want to be more connected to whatever they're doing in their life. It matters to them. And so that's where the ninja skills start to happen is in the eagle view, as long as your premise aligns with that, because you can start to talk to people about that concept, the fact that, you know, we don't treat people as pain, but what we do do is we can analyze the health of the nervous system, which is really the system that manages your whole life. And so when you walk into this office, basically what we're doing is we're measuring your life to date and the impact it's had on your physiology. So if I were to ask you, what's your life to date been like, what would you tell me? Because what I'm doing is I'm transitioning people, but still not leaving the fact that they have this numb tant behind. Mm -hmm. But that's a premise I want people to understand that that's just a result probably of a low threshold. And yeah, it happens to show up. And I'll say, sometimes it shows up as a migraine. Sometimes it shows up as a numb head. Sometimes it shows up here. We have no idea what's going on at this point because we're just still first in the initial phases. And so that starts to transition people because I want people to understand that their life matters. And if people were to have a choice, do they want a more connected life or do they just not want a numb hand? Right. And most people, depending on the state of their brain, as long as they are not in the latter stages of a free state cycle or such a protective cycle, do want something different for what they have now. They want a different life. I don't know anybody who's come to our office who doesn't want something different than what they have now. They just don't think it's possible. Or they've given up. And if you see somebody who's given up, even as it respects, even in respects to the, the mouse, uh, the field mouse vision of, of their health, they've been everywhere and they don't care. You're the last resort. That's a brain that's just not working properly. And so you have to be aware of that. So, you know, you can only ask those questions if you understand that what we're dealing with is we're dealing with the potential somebody has, not what's wrong with them, which is the third concept I want people to understand. We're dealing with everything that's right with somebody. Their intelligence is brilliant. It has done brilliant things. It happens to be in a protective pattern right now. And it probably has been way before the year ago when their numb hands started showing up. Great. Way before that, the physiology has been in protection and the brain has done what it needed to do so somebody can live their life. The aberrance has occurred because we have not got the message out that 20 years ago we should have been checking them as early as possible because we know when a spine doesn't go through full range of motion, a vertebra doesn't go through full range of motion, the brain immediately launches a protective response to immobilize that area. 
That's the aberrance. The aberrance is not in the intelligence response. Even if we don't understand it, there's no aberrance in that response at all. And, you know, I don't know anybody, I have not met, we said lot, we've seen tons, I mean, we've practiced 20 years. And over the last, really almost 10 in this model, like thousands of people, nobody's ever said, no, that doesn't make sense to me. Right. <laughs> not one person has thought that was crazy or quackery. Not one. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next concept? Like other than those three, those are the big three. Those are the big three. Because what I was thinking Because you, was... can't, you can't carry on with concepts. Now, you have your next visit, right, which yep. is your report of findings visit, where now you're going to start to link all this stuff. But on the first visit, I only want people to be embedded with those three. And that's my focus, is to get that out within our case history relatively quickly, which happens like in less than five minutes. Yeah. And to know who that person is and why it matters. Mm -hmm. Now, I think uh, we were just talking this morning about our, uh, our new practice member that was yesterday. Uh, why don't you go through just the case study of how you did that with her? Because I think now that we've gone through the concepts, when you can see an actual example of how you have like a, a low back person and then connect them to a bigger concept, how that changes. Well, this woman had come in. Um, she was referred by her daughter and she's one of the, it's my last resort. Like I've done everything. So what, like, what do I have to lose? I'm like, right. <laughs> I'm like well, thanks. For I said, thank God our self-esteem isn't built on what people say to us. I joked around with her. <laughs> um, you know, she's, she's young. She's in her early fifties. She's uh, two years ago. Um, the typical nothing happened. And all of a sudden she couldn't move. She ended up going to the ER in an ambulance. They did a CT scan and in her words, not mine, they diagnosed her with degenerative disc disease. So of course on the case history, that's what she writes. And like typical, like a million of these every day in everybody's offices, but what do you think? Right aids down the leg, never goes away, can't sleep, right? You know, can't bend over, can't, can't exercise now. She stopped exercising, she can't curl, which she said, and here's, the, here's what she said, you gotta listen for these kind of things. She said, the biggest disappointment in my life is now I can't curl anymore. And so I was like, so now you know, so now she started to change all of these things that she used to love to do. Especially with curling, because that's her connection as well, right? So those are the activities that she did socially to be able to meet those needs, and that's starting to get taken away as well. So, yeah, exactly. So one of the things that for her is that what the field mouse view is to listen to all of that, okay? So if she knows that and she, we haven't, we hadn't done x-rays yet, but I never want to suggest it's in their mind worse or better than it is. I have no, like you have no idea. So, you know, after the first visit we send for x-rays, but in her mind, she's broken beyond repair. That's like, that's where she's at. She's and she has tried everything. So the, the only thing in her mind that's helped is physiotherapy and IMS. Now by help, I mean, she goes in for IMS and she feels better. And I asked her, and how long does that last? She said, for about a week. And then it comes right back. So the field most view of her is to acknowledge the fact that that is, that is actually the case, okay? That the chances of her x-rays coming back, of having whatever phase of degenerative disc disease and, de and degeneration in her lumbar spine are quite high. Yeah, but okay. Lots, you know, we, we know that we see lots of people. Is it beyond repair? Of course not. She's moving around. It's absolutely not fused. Like she's not slated for spinal surgery. Like we're not having those conversations with her. So I just said to her, I said, um, so I want you to imagine, I said, I said, so first of all, tell me 
you know, all the people that you've been seeing that have been seeking to make you feel better. How has that been working for you? And she said, well, it's absolutely not. It's super frustrating because nothing is working. And so I said, well, now we got to determine what working means. I say, because I'm going to tell you something that's going to seem kind of shocking from the get-go, but I'm, I'm going to explain it to you. We absolutely are not one of those people. And I just wait. And, and what I really want is I want to see an alertness because if you, she's used to going to people who are telling her what's wrong with her. So you, you can see this in the new people because they're just like, bring it on, tell me another thing. Like I'm just used to it. Tell, and there's no alertness. So I'm watching for a body language change, which I got. That's totally that. interrupting the pattern, right? You totally interrupt the pattern. Yes, because you want to see that. If you know that, now you have an in. So now when you actually give some information, they're more likely to retain it because and they're actually listening to you. They're not just quote unquote, listening to you hearing or, or, hearing or trying words. to predict what you're going to say. Cause they, I think they've heard it so many times they're going to, they already mm-hmm. can predict what you're going to tell them before that you tell them. Totally. So she, so I said, you know, we're absolutely not one of those people. And then I just wait. And I said, so one of the things we find, and I always have a spine, I always have a spine behind me, a full spine. And I really am. I really, first of all, I want her to know that we're not going to treat her pain. So I, I said, you know, that's absolutely not what we do. And I also, I said, this seems really odd because you've been seeing people that have just been looking at your low back, but this guy's like one big unit. It doesn't work independent of pieces. And not only does it not work independent of pieces, it is inside of this is the system that keeps us alive and adapts to life. That's what people don't know when they come to see us. And I said, so I want you to imagine, let's pretend here is your, is what we call in chiropractic, your limitations of matter. And for, for you, limitations of matter mean the bones have broken down. Um, they're starting to degenerate. Will that ever, it, will that ever improve or reverse? Probably not. You know, the discs are dehydrated. They're starting to squish down. That's what degenerative disc disease is. So there's a process of breakdown already occurring for you. Now, at the bottom of this, so I have my hand high and about eight inches below, I have my other hand. And I said, the bottom of this is where you feel. So, and you've been ebbing and flowing up and down and up and down and up and down. I feel better. I don't feel better. I feel better. I don't feel better. I don't do this. Now I feel better. I do this now. And, and so that's sort of where you are. Now in the middle is called the gap or your reserve. I said, so you are nowhere near the capacity of your reserve to heal. And that reserve goes all the way up until it hits a limitation of matter. So that doesn't mean, but well, the cool thing is it doesn't mean it needs to get worse but you are nowhere near where you need to be in order for the body to restore and heal. And all we do in chiropractic is we know that segmentally, so along the spine segmentally, those pieces that have not moved, those vertebrae that have been stuck, they were stuck long before two years ago when you went into the ER. They were stuck years and years and years ago. And the brain knows immediately, whether you know it or not, the intelligence knows immediately and immobilizes that place immediately. Not in a few days, not when you show up at the ER with breakdown, immediately, which is brilliant. It's allowed you to live the last 25 years of your life, moving around, raising your children, doing your career, curling, running, and you've been feeling fine. You just didn't know it. And so again, my concept is also about time, that it just didn't happen when it happened. The problem is not the problem but her potential is massive. So I said to her, so really I said, all all we can do here is first measure your capacity, your reserve. 
the health of the nervous system. Segmentally, we'll get to that. We'll look at that on x-ray. When you lay on a table, we'll look at the structure. But what we know now is that neurology has changed the structure and the physiology of the human body. And you've stayed in that protective state now for years and years and years, and that's your pattern. And now you're in a breakdown state. All we can do in chiropractic is change the state over a period of time, and it ups your reserve. And as we upper your reserve, the body heals and restores. So we can't take away your degenerative disc disease or fix the radiation down your leg. It doesn't work that way. What does work, though, is that as we can go into the nervous system and it starts to change the physiology, the structure, the brain starts to calm down. It says, oh, okay, actually it's moving better. I don't need to fire so much protection. Your reserve starts to increase. As your reserve starts to increase, we'll actually see that on these tests as we measured over a period of time. Does that make sense to you? Yes. And she said, yes. <laughs> well, and that's the funny thing is that then like, because in our office, uh, Brandy will do the, the you know, part of the case history and start doing the vital signs and then I'll come in afterwards. And the hilarious thing is uh, we were talking afterwards and I ended up saying basically the same sort of stuff and she was finishing my sentences for me. Mm -hmm. And I said, see, I said, you already know all this. And she goes, and she was so, and she was pissed. She goes, yeah. I do know this, but I've had to research this stuff like crazy on my own, but no one has ever tied it together. Like you have, yeah. like it was, it was, it was like a huge aha for her because innately she knew that I'm like, Everybody has a different potential. Our goal on this first visit is to determine what the gap is. And then on our next visit, we're going to talk about what's the plan. Yeah. But so it's, it's not, it's, it, so, so again, that's the, that's the field mouse eagle. It's not people. We have been, I say this all the time in the shift. We've been lied to in chiropractic and we believe this for a long time. We believe the only thing that somebody wants from us is to make them feel better. That is an absolute blatant lie. And I have yet to meet somebody who does not understand that they have a capacity and intelligence and a reserve for life. They just don't know it's their nervous system. And they don't know what chiropractic's role is in facilitating an improvement to that, that neural efficiency. They don't know that. Mm -hmm. And we haven't told them. But not one person has ever said, I don't believe that because it's just, it's basic. First of all, it's basic science, but secondarily, it's just basic knowledge. But we think that what, what we're doing is we're providing a therapy to them, just like IMS is in hopes that that's going to make her better. And our conversation with a lot of those folks that come in with really a, a set problem, I often say the conversation is no longer about the radiation down your leg. The conversation is about your reserve. That's what the conversation is about. Not, not about anything else. Because if you can't shift the conversation, then what do you do in practice? Every visit, you're talking about how the radiation down our leg is going. And then as soon as it's better, they leave. Absolutely. Because if somebody's load for life is improved, not just, you know, will she feel better? Probably. Chances are she's going to feel better. Is it going to be 100% fixed? I have no idea. Chances are probably not. Depends on her lifestyle. Depends on her care plan. Depends on a whole lot of stuff. That's what we call the 50 shades of gray with people. But we don't know that until we know who she is. And that I think that that is really where we miss people in chiropractic. And so, and we expect everybody to respond the same. And we expect that everybody should have the same uh, effect after the adjustment and all of these things. And we have these conversations that are not not the right conversation to move somebody along. It's the right conversation, though, in the current state of thinking and consciousness that you're at.
When I think I, when I would talk to her about um, finding out what her gap was and what her potential is and for your potential, it's different than everybody else's. And I said, it's, it's kind of been a double-edged sword for chiropractic because what happens is certain people under chiropractic care, their so-called conditions, some amazing ones go away, but others, they don't Mm -hmm. because everybody has a different potential. And when I said that to her, she goes, that makes so much sense. Like people, I don't think like people don't want, like, don't want you to promise stuff Mm -hmm. that they've heard over and over again. Now they just don't believe it anymore, but they do believe that they have an opportunity to hit their potential and they know that they're not at it. Well, we have a huge trust quotient problem in chiropractic, huge. And it, it doesn't help that we have negative brand equity. That makes it worse. But people don't trust anybody anymore. And right. so now if we start talking to people about things that we can't stand by, they don't trust you because they, they've already gone to a physiotherapist who told them they could fix them. They've gone to a medical doctor who told them they could take something out and they'll be all better. They've gone to whoever. So they, that, that, now you become this commodity. And when your commodity, the cheapest commodity wins, there's no reason for them to be in your office. Now, I appreciate that you have to have a skill set. You have to have a technical skill set. You have to be a brilliant practitioner. You have to have the right tools to show people. You have to have objective measures. But then you have to be able to communicate why that's all important and what it is that we actually do and can stand by. And I guess the biggest objection people have to that is, well, what if they just want to feel better? You'll determine that. Not everybody's going to be for you in your office. Mm-hmm. And we have people leave all the time that say, oh, I've lost, I, can I try acupuncture? Can I try? Listen, if that's the result, uh, you were just telling me about a guy who won't follow a care plan. He's talking about a massive limitations of matter and a cervical spine. Um, and I was saying what I would have said to him. He just didn't ask me. <laughs> he should have asked me where he was like, you know, and he's, you know, he's never followed through and now he's frustrated. Well, these are the people, these are the folks that, that leave and say chiropractic didn't work. So in his mind, he's like, well, what, you know, maybe I should try acupuncture. Will that work? Well, well, what, what does work mean? Listen, if you're trying to get rid of the pain, you should try everything. Like you should try opioids. You should try opioids. <laughs> you should go to acupuncture. You should get a massage. You should go to IMF. You should do all of those things. If you want to keep the spine moving for as long as possible, as well as possible for the rest of your life, you're in the right place, period. And the two are not contraindicative. Go do all of those things. It's great. We have people that do all of that stuff all the time. In fact, we run into the problem today, which is hilarious. If somebody gets hurt, they think they have to go see somebody else. Yeah. (laughs) Hysterical. So that we don't really want that either where they're like, well, I'm only coming here for this, but then I, if I hurt myself, I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. So, you know, it just, it's a matter of having enough rapport with people. That's really, that's really the bottom line of communication. And you have enough relationship with people, which is built on connection and connection is built on trust. And if people don't trust you, they will not seek you for anything beyond the field mice infusion. And by the way, they're not seeking you because they trust you necessarily. Mm-hmm. And in that, in that model, they are just looking to feel better. Mm-hmm. And in order to move somebody beyond that, they have got to be able to trust you. Can, I just want to switch to a totally other end of the spectrum. And we'd always talk about our, our, uh, our freeze people. So maybe we talk about the little conversation you had with our little girl yesterday, who's kind of in that free state. Cause she's just been in that stress response for so long. Well, there's, I mean, it's actually sad. She, she's in her early, 
early 20s and she's been under care for probably a couple of years and money's always been an issue for her she doesn't do anything outside of the practice now her mom we had a bit of a window into her life because her mom was a, a practice member and i remember saying to her mom early on with one of the reevals where the mom the mom was sort of carrying on about like she feels exactly the same and even though her vital signs were improving i said to her i said you know we we can't out adjust aberrant thoughts it doesn't you know you, you want to know the brilliance of being a mammal called a human you can launch the stress response by thought alone, by how you respond to the world. As you said, well, trust me, mom says all happily, trust me, if, if anything's going to be a big deal, I'll make it into one. She goes, I make everything into a big deal. Proud of it. Mm -hmm. So this is a little girl. This is called generational patterns. So we don't have familial patterns on a bad backs. We have familial patterns based on aberrant thought processes and what we view growing up in the world. And this is a little girl who has watched her mom be this way. And so she's in a, like, she really doesn't connect. She's really, she's really tough to talk to. She comes in, she's, she's just not, not, not a lot going on. So the last six months of care, her, her mom of all the people have been paying for her care. So that's not ideal to begin with because that's who's controlling the money. And you know, if mom's like, whatever, I'm just gonna make everything a big deal and chiropractic, can you move a bit better? Good. Is the one in charge of the money? That's not going to go well. So we did her another evaluation on her yesterday. And of course, you know, structurally we see all of these great improvements. And the reason she came in from, from the get-go a couple of years ago was, you know, she quit all activities, all in high school. She was a competitive uh, sports player. She couldn't do anything anymore, could hardly move. So we saw a lot of the structural stuff improve with her, but her stress, the stuff that we measure for stress, like chronic stress embedded in the physiology, things like heart rate variability, things like her ability to navigate the world, her pupils, all that kind of stuff, like she's got nothing going on. And it's been consistent over the last five reevaluations we've done on her. And I said to her, I said, you know, your stress stuff is really, really stuck. We see this improvement everywhere else and we just see the stuckness. And she's like, yep. And Matsi, who had done the revaluation, said, you know, I asked her about her stress. She said, yep, it's just the way it's always going to be. So that's somebody who's given up. And that's a free state. And she's like, yep, shrinks, shakes her, shrugs her shoulders. Yep. And I said, well, what do you, what do you suppose is going to happen if this stays for the next 30 years? I said, you know, it's funny. I, I talked to your mom about this, and I realized that you've learned a lot from your mom. She's like, well, yeah, I just am stressed out all the time. I said, so, so now here's the other problem. It's become who she is. It's become who her mom is. So it's a definition of who they are. And so I said, and so what is what's going to happen over the next 30 years? If this can't be unstuck, she's like, I don't know. I said, well, if you knew, what would you say? <laughs> she's like, oh, it can't be good. I said, you know, it's not going to happen tomorrow. Not even maybe I'm having in 10 years. I said, but there's not a person on the planet that doesn't know if they stay in chronic stress in their physiology over years and years and years, something's going to happen. I said, my bigger question is, do you care? And she sort of looked at me. That's so pattern interrupt. Now, now I have an alertness. I said, no, honestly. I said, and, I, and I'm not being offensive. I really want to know if you care. I said, because some people really don't care. They don't care to do anything different. They don't care that they're stressed out all the time. They like it, in fact, to some degree. And I said, so if you don't care, we're not going to talk about it anymore. She's like, well, I do. I said, so do you care enough to do anything different? Well, like what? I said, oh, well, since you asked, I'll answer. <laughs> 
So she, of course, doesn't want to continue the care plan. And you had a conversation about that to the degree in which she was. So she's moving to every two weeks, even though that's not our recommendation. Um, and then I gave her Joe Dispenza stuff. And I said to her, I said, you know, you're already walking, which is part of what she started with us and doing yoga. Um, but she, again, you can't, if you're just going to walk and, and just think about all the horrificness of life, that doesn't help either. You're going to do yoga and just think about the horrificness of life. Again, you can't out just out yoga, out walk your aberrant thought patterns. It doesn't work that way. You will always win. You will always win. And so I said to her, so get it on an audiobook. She's like, well, I don't read. I said, well, get it on an audiobook. Listen to it when you watch. And it was funny. She, she her physiology actually changed. Mm -hmm. She said, no, I actually really, she was, I actually really will do that. And I said, great. I said, then I'll ask you in a couple weeks how it goes. She goes, no, thank you. Yeah. So it's not always easy with people. Mm. And, and I do, you know, a lot of people would say, well, I would never say that. It would be, it would piss her off. It'd be offensive to her. Well, it would be if you didn't have rapport with her. The other thing is when somebody's in that free state and they've been under care for some period of time, you actually have to do something to snap them out of it because they really are embedded in that state. The brain is actually in that shutdown state and it's actually dangerous. There is without a shadow of a doubt, something will happen to somebody like that. That is what an autoimmune problem is. That is what cancer is. That is what degenerative disease is. That's what happens just embeds in the physiology and it can't handle that forever. When I think too, like um, what we really have learned is to try to keep our our concern or our caring to the same level of theirs, and we don't we we don't we can't overstep that. So when we have over expectations of others, it's hard to have that conversation without a charge, emotional charge to it. Mm. Because the way that you said that was, or don't, or I love it too when we're working with chiropractors and we explain you know this whole process, and they go, well that's hard, and then you go, well then don't because <laughs> my, my life goes on and it's awesome. Like, you know what? I'm here to help whoever wants to be helped. But if they don't want to help themselves, if we become so emotionally charged that then you do become a jerk. Yeah. And listen, and, and uh, you know, you have to, it's hard to describe it post the moment. And I think that's what that chiropractor learns like to see it. It looks different than to hear it from me because you have to see my physiology and my body language when I'm talking like that. If you don't, it sounds like I'm an asshole. So, I mean, I appreciate that a lot of people think I'm an asshole, but you haven't like, well, maybe I am an asshole. Part of me is an asshole, but from, <laughs> from, I care deeply that they care that a, a detachment from the outcome does not mean you don't care. The challenge is how do you care with a detachment from the outcome? Because that comes across. I care deeply, 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 deeply about people. And I don't want that for people. I really don't. But I also can't want it more than they want it. And I just want people to tell me the truth. And listen, if somebody doesn't care, then, 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 then I'm, it's great because I, I preserve my life force. If you can't preserve your life force, you will bleed out. Totally. It's like a carotid bleed all over and it happens quickly. So you've got to preserve your life force. So I am all in with people who care. And sometimes I'm going to move them along a process a little bit of caring when they didn't know they cared. And I'm not sure if she cares. We'll see. I'm not sure she'll be able to break the patterns of her mom, but it, it's, that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to care deeply, but then not to take it personally if she chooses something different than what I want for her. Mm -hmm. That's, that's pretty cool.
So um, everybody out there, if you uh, if you enjoy these uh, little conversations, let me know. Um, I, I thought it would be kind of cool to, we do this a lot with our people in our shift and our Vitality Engine program is just go through different scenarios because it's one thing to learn the information and learn the concepts, but it's it's another one to actually hear case studies of how, how it goes. And so uh, I thought this would be nice for, for to share this with all the people out there. Uh, so for the... Uh, closing of the podcast my dear as as often i do i ask my guests to give their words of wisdom or inspiration to maybe any chiropractors out there that might be floundering or frustrated with their communication or or burnt out what what would you have to close and, and inspire them for the day well it, in order to move to move from a field mouse to an eagle the first thing you have to do is you have to know that it, it requires an immense, let's pretend we are in a science fiction movie yeah. and a field mouse can transform into an eagle. I want you to think about how much energy that would take for that to happen. It requires an exorbitant amount of energy to stay focused and present with people all day long in practice. And in order to do that communication, just like everything else, has everything to do with who you are, not what you do and what you say. And if you are burnt out, it's very difficult. If you take a sick field mouse, the chances of them transforming into a needle are pretty low. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, I always say to people, this model is not easy. It is not low hanging fruit. It is not the quickest quick fix conversation. It is every day, all day, all about your concepts, all about your premise. And it's and then you hit repeat the next day. And it doesn't always go the way you want it to go. And the outcomes are not always the way, what you want for people. But then you get up and you do it the next day anyway. And in order to do that well, you have to be vital yourself. So that, I think, is the key that I would leave people with versus what's the right question to ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you are. You, the best thing about practice is it's all about you. And the worst thing about practice is all about you, right? So... Um, I think we just, uh, last week's podcast was with uh, Dr. Danny Constable and he, I love the idea of, of being a chiropractor, like a pro athlete. And, totally. and, and when you have, uh, especially if you have a higher volume practice, you need to treat those days like yeah. a higher level athlete. Like you're getting to bed early. You have your good rituals in the morning. You're prepared. You have your food, you have your breaks, you have your water breaks. You have all those things all preset up so that you stay, keep your energy levels high so that you can um, ex expend that energy to be able to connect with those people at a higher level. Absolutely. So my dear, thank you so much for uh, being a guest on, uh, on the show again. Thanks Dr. Don for having me. <laughs> I appreciate that. I hope everybody enjoyed it. So everybody out there, again, lots of big key points. Let's, uh, let's fl flip back and forth between the field mouse and the Eagle so that you can get out there and crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.